If you would, please, would you uh, turn in your Bibles once again to Matthew 21, verse 23. Matthew 21, verse 23. I'd like to describe for you what turned out to be a very bad day for 44-year-old Matthew Disbro. Disbro was patrolling a busy stretch of highway in Phoenix, Arizona, in his black Dodge Charger. He flipped on his lights to signal the car in front of him to pull over. What Disbro did not know was that the car in front of him, a yellow Ford Mustang, was an undercover police car. Neither did he know that the two men in the car in front of him were Arizona State Troopers. What the two troopers in the Mustang were about to discover is that the man in the car behind them was not a police officer, but was an imposter. Matthew Disbro was dressed in a uniform, was driving in a car that was outfitted to look like a police car. He even carried a gun but he had no authority to pull anyone over. The two officers in the Mustang were immediately suspicious of the car behind them, and they ran the plates of that car just to make sure, and they immediately discovered that the car was a privately owned vehicle. The two state troopers identified themselves as real police officers and then pulled over the imposter and put Matthew Disbro under arrest. While the news article about the incident didn't give any details about his arrest, I can imagine the two officers saying to him, Who do you think you are? You have no authority to do these things. The reason I tell you about this incident is because of a question that will be asked of Jesus in today's passage. If we will look, please, at Matthew 21, verse 23, we'll read this. Now when he, Jesus, came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? In short, who do you think you are? The religious leaders of Judaism were convinced that Jesus was an imposter. He was doing many of the things that a Messiah might do, but they were convinced that he had no authority to do the things he was doing. However, unlike the illustration from the Arizona highway, we know that Jesus does have authority. And today we will see Jesus refute this challenge from the religious leaders. He will show that he does indeed have full authority. He has divine authority. And what's more, he will turn the tables 
on these religious leaders and show it is they who lack authority. It is not he who is the imposter. It is they, the members of the religious leadership of Israel, who are the imposters. Before we look more closely at today's text, let's get a quick bird's eye view of the material that is now behind us and what is ahead of us. In terms of what is behind us, we just finished a distinct section. During the past three Sundays, we saw what can be called three living parables. And with each living parable, Jesus not only revealed himself as the Messiah, he also showed that he is the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. When he arrived in Jerusalem for his triumphal entry, he showed himself to be the king. When he cleansed the temple, he showed himself to be the ultimate priest. And last week, when we saw Jesus cause the fig tree to wither, he showed himself to be prophet. It was a living parable because it sent a symbolic message that just as the fig tree, just as judgment came on the fig tree, so would judgment come on the nation of Israel. Why? Because like the fig tree, Israel bore no fruit. Most importantly, in each of these three living parables, there was a common thread that was sown through each of them, and that is the authority of Jesus. That authority will now be the subject of the next distinct section that lies ahead of us and we begin today. The religious leaders will repeatedly challenge the authority of Jesus. The temple will be the setting for five debates between the religious leaders and Jesus. And in each of these five debates, the religious leaders will seek to challenge the authority of Jesus. And that will be crystal clear in today's passage as the religious leaders demand to know from Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? After the debate that we will see today, these debates, these series of five debates, will be interrupted as Jesus will give three spoken parables. And I say spoken parables to distinguish from the three living parables that we just saw. And these parables will focus on the rejection and the unbelief of Israel. After the parables, there will be four more debates. But these religious leaders will be no match for the divine wisdom and the authority of Jesus. But here's the thing. With each contest, with each of these five debates, 
as Jesus' wisdom and authority become increasingly evident, the religious leaders will become increasingly murderous. Let's look again at Matthew 21, verse 23, as Matthew sets the scene. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus returns to the temple after spending the night in the nearby village of Bethany. We are back in the temple now, and so let me remind you of an illustration that was inserted in our bulletin a few weeks ago. And that illustration depicted the enormous temple complex. The largest area inside the temple was the Court of the Gentiles. Even though it was called the Court of the Gentiles, the people congregating in this area were overwhelmingly Jewish. The reason it has this name, the Court of the Gentiles, is because this is the only area in the temple where Gentiles are permitted. This paved area, the court of the Gentiles, was enormous. Its floor space covered 25 acres. A paved area inside the temple walls, 25 acres. And surrounding the outer perimeter of this paved area were 50-foot columns, five-story columns that held up shed roofs around the outer perimeter of the court of the Gentiles. And these roofed areas, called porticos, provided welcome shade to those who were gathered there. It is here, in the shaded area under the porticos, that we can now picture Jesus as he's teaching the people. And as we picture this scene, let's recall that the population of Jerusalem has swelled by hundreds of thousands of people as people are coming now into Jerusalem to celebrate the upcoming Passover. Consequently, the temple courts are filled with people. And these visitors are especially eager to hear what Jesus has to say especially with the excitement of his recent arrival into Jerusalem and the controversial scene yesterday when he drove out the money changers and the merchants. Matthew does not give us any detail about what Jesus was teaching, likely because Matthew thought that it would be obvious to us, the reader. But Luke, in his parallel account of the scene, makes it explicit. Luke tells us, quote, He taught the people in the temple and preached the good news. Well, what is that good news? It is the gospel of grace. It is the good news that entrance into the kingdom of God is not by works, but by grace. And for this reason, we can picture Jesus in the temple courts, preaching to the people 
to repent and believe. Let's not miss the fact that as Jesus is preaching to the people, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted Jesus. Here is Jesus in the middle of the temple, actually to one of the sides of the temple, but he's inside the temple. He's preaching to the people, and he's interrupted as he's preaching. Why are the chief priests and the elders of the people interrupting him? Because they believe he has no authority to do these things. Before we look at how they challenge Jesus with their impertinent questions, let's have a closer look at who these people are. They are identified as the chief priests and the elders of the people. Well, we met the chief priests last week when Jesus cleansed the temple, and Jesus very clearly called the chief priests' authority into question when he referred to them as a den of thieves. Today, let's focus on the group Matthew refers to as the elders of the people. Matthew is now referring to the ruling council of Judaism, also known as the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the supreme court, the ruling body, sort of the legislature and the supreme court wrapped together into one ruling council called the Sanhedrin, and they are the authority over all things pertaining to Judaism. The Sanhedrin consisted of 71 members. We don't know if it's all of its members were there confronting Jesus, but we can be sure there was certainly a representation of the elders of the people of the Sanhedrin to confront Jesus. There's an interesting detail about how Matthew refers to these Sanhedrin members. Math, uh, Mark and Luke, in their parallel accounts, refer to them simply as the elders. Matthew, however, refers to them as the elders of the people. Richard France, the commentator Richard France, suggests that this might be because Matthew wants to emphasize their role as the representatives of all of Israel. They are the representatives of the people of Israel. While the Sanhedrin has and will reject Jesus, they are just a reflection of the general population as a whole. In other words, what the Sanhedrin will do in the coming days, that is to crucify Jesus, they will have the full support of the people. And so they are the elders of the people because they represent the, el the people's will. Now, even as I say that, I should not fail to mention that while the vast majority of Israel will reject Jesus as their Messiah, God always preserves for himself a believing remnant. Some, just a few, will believe. But from that core group of believers, 
Jesus will command his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. That is why we are here today, and that is why we are a remnant in an unbelieving world. Let's look at their question as they interrupt Jesus, the end of verse 23. They confront Jesus, they interrupt him from his teaching, and they ask, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? There are two questions here, but they both have a common theme, which is the question of authority. As they question Jesus' authority, there's something we can conclude right off the bat. They are convinced that Jesus does not have authority to do what he does. They wouldn't confront him, they wouldn't interrupt him if they didn't think, if they thought that he had authority. They do not believe he has authority. And what's more, let's also make this observation. They're not asking these questions because they're interested in learning the truth about Jesus. They've already made up their minds about him. The only reason they are questioning Jesus about his authority is because they recognize he is a threat to their authority. As we look at their questions, let's ask this. What do these religious leaders mean when they refer to these things? You see that? By what authority are you doing these things? Well, we can quickly outline four. First, there was Jesus' messianic entrance into, the Jeruz into Jerusalem, at which time he received a reception fit for a king. Second, Jesus cleansed the temple. Third, while he was in the temple, he did something astonishing. At verse 14, we were told that Jesus healed the blind and the lame. And fourth is the activity from which Jesus is now being interrupted. He is teaching in the temple. Let me go back quickly to the third item, Jesus healing the blind and the lame in the temple, a healing that he performed in, the, in front of the very eyes of some of these men who are now challenging, the chief priests in the Sanhedrin. Now, let me remind you something very important about Jesus' healing, especially of the blind. As has been pointed out in the past, there were Old Testament prophets who performed great miracles. For example, both Elijah and Elisha, each of them raised a person from the dead. But no one had ever given sight to the blind. The prophet Isaiah foretold that this would be one of the many important pieces of information to recognize the Messiah. And so it becomes even more important that some of the men who are now challenging Jesus' authority witnessed this miracle in the temple of Jesus healing the blind. They asked Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? As I said earlier, 
Both of these questions are about authority. But there's a difference between the two questions that distinguishes them. If you're thinking about something else, come back now because we've got to do some hard work here, but it's going to prove very fruitful. It's going to help you understand these questions tremendously. There's a, a this difference between these two questions. In the first question, they ask what? They say, by what authority do you do these things? And then in the second question, it's about who? Who gave you this authority? In order to help us understand the difference between these two questions, let's think back to that opening story about the two state troopers who were, in fact, qualified to perform a traffic stop. If someone were to ask those two state troopers, by what authority are you able to perform a traffic stop, what they're being asked when they are asked about what, they're being asked about their position. And so the answer to that question would sound something like this. By what authority do I do what I do, such as pulling drivers over and arresting drivers, is by virtue of the fact that I am a sworn police officer. You see, it's a matter about their position. And so if we relate this to our text, when the religious authorities ask Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things, they're looking for his position. They want to know his title. The answer to this question about position or title would be Messiah. The answer that Jesus, uh, the answer that we would expect Jesus to give would sound something